Wilds, and welcome to the Seahawks 360 podcast, a sports ethos production, where we look at the Seahawks from every angle, every week. I am your host, Candace Hagens. As always, it is a pleasure and a privilege to talk Hawks with you. Now, we're going to do a little switch up. As you remember, last episode, I did say that we would talk about the top offensive breakout candidates, but things have changed. Some uh, relevant events have come up, and so we're going to talk about those today. So in today's episode, we'll do a little switch up. We'll come back to the offensive candidates at another episode. But for now, Parsing Pete is back. Pete Carroll gave an interview at the end of mandatory minicamp this week. And so we're going to break down some of what Pete said and what I think that means for the future of the Seahawks. And in the second half of our episode today, we're going to answer your questions. So we had questions sent in. We'll talk about that. and We'll do a deep dive in your questions. We got a lot of great topics to talk about. So let's get into it right now. Ever wonder what's really going on in the mind of head coach Pete Carroll? The answer to that is yes. Do you sometimes have more questions than answers after press conferences? Why would I tell you that? I don't know that. Well, we've got your breakdown right here. It's time for Parsing Pete. Well, that was fun. So unless you've been living under a rock, you know that DK Metcalf did not show up for mandatory minicamp this week. And Pete Carroll was obviously asked a lot of questions about that. Here's a few clips on what Pete Carroll thought about the DK dilemma. He didn't show up be something because of the contract? We've been communicating on that topic, yeah. <laughs> what do you make of DK not showing up? Uh, decision he, you know, he had to make and uh, you know, we missed him. Uh, he he had done a nice job and contributing, being part of everything that we we had done. And then, you know, he he just he's not here. So I, I can't say much for what he hasn't done here. But um, we'd love to have him with us. Um, there's been conversations, uh, some, and um, we're in a pretty kind of a standard, you know, kind of some semi-quiet right now, um, knowing the camp's coming up. Um, these are cru- crucial weeks to, to get something done. We'll see what happens and, and, uh, and hope, hope that we can work something out. We really intended to get that done. I know a lot of you guys heard that with a lot of concern, to say the least. And I completely understand that. That's a completely natural response. And I'll give you this. If you are concerned about hearing this news, there are some valid reasons why you could be concerned. The question is, is this the beginning or the prelude to a possible hold-in? It very well might be. There's no guarantee that it's not. Um, also, the longer that the Seahawks wait to extend DK Metcalf, the higher the price goes up. We've seen all offseason contract after contract after contract of major money of so many raw receivers getting paid. And I can understand how DK will be frustrated. Hunter Winfro just got extended. Cooper Cup got extended. A.J. Brown got extended. I mean, really, if you look around, there's so many wide receivers that got extensions. And DK is one of the remaining few who has yet to see an extension. And so I can understand how DK might be beginning to be frustrated with that. And he made the decision not to come to mandatory minicamp as a sign of that frustration to make a statement to the team. 
And after all, we know DK can be emotional. That's just the reality. DK can be very emotional and he can be very competitive. And so I see how the combination of those things would not give Seahawks fans or you guys more comfort. Um, I understand that. But I'm going to try to try to muddy the waters, understanding how it looks and understanding that you're concerned that conversations have sort of paused. I'm going to attempt to give you a few reasons why you should not hit the panic button just yet. Reason number one, keep in mind that DK did come to voluntary minicamp, which means that he still very much so cares about the team. He came to the voluntary opportunities, but did, but decided not to come to the mandatory opportunity, which to me says he just wants to push the timeline up. If Pete Carroll has indicated that there haven't been conversations as much recently, perhaps when DK was coming to voluntary minicamp, he felt like conversations were going along pretty well. And since conversations have stopped approaching minicamp, DK Metcalf has stopped. And I think that will push along the conversations and negotiations a little faster. And that may be some of his thinking. Another reason not to panic is that DK was still rehabbing in LA. So one thing to keep in mind is that because DK did come to voluntary minicamp, perhaps he's buying on his re rehab program or perhaps there's additional rehabbing. And so there really could be a legitimate reason why he's in rehab. The Seahawks chose not to excuse that. So it does. I will give you that, that it does seem like it could have been worked around. But maybe DK just wanted to prioritize his rehab, given that he's already done some workouts with the quarterbacks and sort of worked on some chemistry with Geno, with Drew Locke, and maybe that was his priority to come. And now he just wants to focus on getting completely healthy. So that's possible as well. And number three, one, one thing to keep in mind is that DK did an interview with Shannon Sharp over the offseason and he was asked about his contract situation and different scenarios and DK had basically implied that he was that his agent had prepared him for all possible scenarios including that he might be franchise tagged and you know and, and that he would be he would just have to deal with that situation as it was so he's mentally prepared for everything because like I, I do know DK can be emotional but he's walked through all the scenarios and the final thing that I just want to give you encouragement on that I think I find the most peace in, at least when I think about, you know, not panicking about the situation. Keep in mind that this is standard. And even Pete Carroll said that in his quote, there were standard preliminary conversations and it's new to DK. So he doesn't understand how the Seahawks work. He's not keeping in mind how their timeline is. The Seahawks don't change their timeline. They have preliminary conversations around post-draft, maybe a little bit before draft, but the, it'd be some preliminary conversations here and there as the off-season programming begins. But it's truly... After minicamp, it's the training camp approaches July and August that the Seahawks really, truly negotiate their contracts. So this is along the lines of everything that they've normally done. And I think that's what gives me the most peace about it. Uh, the least amount of concern is knowing that there's nothing outside of the normal here. Now, you can agree or disagree with the Seahawks approach. A lot of people disagree with that approach. I understand completely why you would disagree with waiting till 
training camp approaches to start truly negotiating with players. I don't know if the logic is to see the talent on the field first, to focus on the rookies getting through their programming. I'm not sure what it is logically wise, but everything's right on time here. Pete Carroll did not sound alarmed. He sounded optimistic. He feels like they'll get things done. It sounds like to me, the only way things won't get done when it comes to DK Metcalf is if DK is being unreasonable in his negotiations in terms of his number and his asking price. I think otherwise the Seahawks know how valuable he is as a player. And I think they're going to prioritize extending him. I think they want to keep him. So unless DK just goes off of the wall and asks for something crazy, his deal would get done. Even if he doesn't love the timing, he might very well be frustrated with the timing of it. He might very well be beginning to become impatient, but that's normal. And I'll throw this out there. It's very possible. I know you guys don't want to hear this, but it is possible that this could lead to a hold in DK coming to camp, but not really participating. We saw it happen last offseason with Dwayne Brown, with Jamal Adams. Only to a small extent, Quandre Diggs, that was only a short stint. But we've seen this happen, and it seems to happen often when it comes to players and and big contract negotiations. So it's almost a precedent. precedent. I don't, again, there's reason to question why the Seahawks wait till they approach training camp to do these negotiations because these players are more likely to hold out and or hold in and miss out on valuable reps and opportunities, but I'll put it out there. Even in the worst case scenario, even if DK does, even if this does go into a hold-in type of situation, I do think that they'll get it done. And most importantly, I don't think it'll be that impactful on DK's journey because even if DK came, I'd imagine that he'd be doing a lot more conditioning and light type of work. He's not going to be doing the regular reps and full workload that everybody else will be doing at this point regardless. And so whether he's, if he's holding in and he's just doing walkthrough stuff and he's not really doing on the field work, I don't think that's going to be that far out of the ordinary from what he will be doing, even if he does have a contract extension. So I'm just putting all the scenarios out there. I'll tell you, I still feel pretty optimistic about it. There is a little cause for concern. I'm not, I can't say it's nothing, but I really don't think that it's something either. I think, I think this is normal part of the process. It's the unfortunate anxiety of riding the Seahawks anxiety off season wave. And it happens seemingly every time there's a big contract, it seems to be following the same pattern. So I think all is well on the DK front. Hey Pete. Has Jody Allen said anything to you about the potential sale of the Seattle Seahawks? Sale, what its future is? She's never, she's never entertained that thought at all. I haven't heard her say that at all. Um, I'm talking about our club, you know, and, and so I don't, I don't know anything about the Trailblazers. Uh, fun to watch. Yeah, this is a complete and utter downplay on the part of Pete Carroll. This team is definitely still in play to be sold. There's a couple of factors that go into it when you look at it. One... The Paul Allen Trust requires that the team be sold at some point. And so that's really inevitable. And the Seahawks Seahawks may not be the first team, maybe Portland. But I think Pete Carroll's pretending like what happens with Portland is completely separate from what happens with the Seattle Seahawks, which makes no logical sense. Again, it's just Pete kind of downplaying it. He doesn't really want drama. He wants to focus on the season. Completely understandable. He's a head coach. But... 
Also, I'm not even sure why Jody Allen would imply or say anything to him about the selling of the team at this point, unless it was truly imminent right now. They're not even saying that the sale of Portland is imminent. So there'd be no reason for Jolie Adam to indicate anything. But doesn't mean that there's not anything to the rumors or that there's not anything to the requirement that's in the Paul Allen Trust. It really is just a matter of time. I don't think Pete wants to address it. So he's waving it off. But the reality is it, it means nothing. This this means nothing one way or the other coming from B. Carroll. It's kind of just coach speak. I personally especially take this response with a grain of salt because this is the same man who said that the Seattle Seahawks have no intention of trading Russell Wilson and then proceeded to trade him. So yeah, I take this with 100% grains of salt. Just Pete down playing it. I'd still be thinking that at some point the Seahawks will be for sale. It might be at some time, but it's coming for sure. Are there any updates on Chris Carson? What's the latest you can tell us on Chris Carson's status? Um, that we're we're waiting for. Uh, there's a there's kind of a big assessment to be done. It's about two weeks from now. Um, from the docs and the, the surgeon and all that, they'll they'll uh, reconvene and see where he is and let us know. You had said I think during the last time you spoke to us that you were going to learn more in the, in the coming days. What have you learned? Well, that that it isn't the decision we could have made the decision that he was ready to go that could have happened that didn't happen so um uh now we're into the next you know the next phase of it we'll see what happens here um, um just hold out a good hope because he's worked really hard and he really wants to come back and all of that um but i can't tell you anything for certain now at this point and uh, so the the fact that we could have known you know because given us you know green light here we go um, that didn't happen is he resigning here no so does that mean he wasn't worthy, I mean, what didn't, wasn't deemed ready to be green-lighted, or was exactly. it? Okay. With Chris Rookie. Carson, though, we haven't talked to him, I think, since before the injury. What can you tell us about where his head is at? Yeah, we visited, um, it's about 10 days ago now, um, here, here, and uh, had a real good chance to hang out with him and, and, and feel him, you know, and, and he's concerned because he wants to play, you know, and he, he loves the game, and, and he's a He's a worker, you know. He wants to work and push and all that. And there's some things that he's he was still a little bit restrained to do, you know. So he wasn't quite ready to do everything uh, at that time. And and it's just hard on him, you know. I mean, this is our guys love this game that they grow up playing. And and when they sense that there's it's there may be an end to it, it's hard. It's it's difficult. And it's real. And uh, you know, we're gonna love him through it and help him as much as possible if that's the case, like we do with everybody when it comes to the end of it, you know. It's inevitable, it's coming, you know, but uh, it's, it's always too soon, you know. So we're trying to fight that off and, and uh, he knows that. He, he's battling, he's doing everything he can and he's and he wants to compete all the way to the to the last word and so he's going for it. And uh, you know, he's been one of my favorite Seahawks ever, you know, and, and uh, loved what he what he stood for and what he brought and, and we'd love to have him back again. Um, he, he's a very special player and a very special competitor in your team and person. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. It is more than likely that Chris Carson is going to have to retire for medical reasons. I think that Pete Carroll really feels bad for Chris Carson. I think they are giving him every opportunity to come back. They don't want to rule it out. Because when you're talking about the end of somebody's career, especially so suddenly, Chris Carson is still relatively young despite his long injury history. 
it's difficult. And I think they are, they want him to be at peace about it. And so they're exhausting absolutely every option to do so. But P. Care implied, I, I didn't play it in these, I didn't play the cut specifically for this episode, but P. Carroll implied that they're looking at their one-two punch as being Rashad Penny and Ken Walker III. So they are planning on moving forward without Chris Carson, and that has a lot to do with why Walker was drafted in the first place. They are not counting on Carson to be a part of it if he can come back. I don't even think they know in what capacity he will really be able to contribute to the team. So I think they've moved on from a football perspective, but they continue to give him every opportunity. I I don't know if he'll be cut. I think they might even keep him on the roster or put him on IR or something. I think they're going to probably take care of him, as Pete Carroll would say. I don't think you'll see Chris Carson cut. They would only save, I, I hear, they'd only save about $1 million from doing that anyway. So it wouldn't save them because of the way the contract is structured. I think they're going to make sure that he gets the last of his money that he was owed on this contract. And then you won't see Chris Carson as a Seahawk again. Unfortunately, it's a very sad situation because I love Chris Carson. But I think that the team is just in a different place. And we'll just look to the future with Penny and Walker. And last but not least, Pete, let's talk about the quarterback competition. What's happening? What's your assessment of the two quarterbacks right now? Man, they've been impressive. They've been really impressive. And it's not been, you know, any one sequence here or one day here. They have just been solid throughout. Um, We've shared a ton of reps. Geno's gone with the first group throughout. um, But they've had very close to equal reps in in situational uh, opportunities throughout. Uh, they really have been very impressive, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, so I'm, you know, I can't tell you anything other than that they've done a terrific job so far. They look in control. Um, Gino's still ahead. You can tell that, um, but it's not going to be too much for uh, for, for Drew to, to be caught up by the time we get through camp. Uh, he'll be there. He's he's really bright. It makes sense to him. Uh, he's really sharp in the huddle and at the line of scrimmage and all of that. So there's there's it's just time that, that he needs, and there's there's nothing we can do but just you know gain some more of that. So it, the competition is in great shape, and and. Uh, uh, you you can tell that Gino's been here. You know you can feel that, and and he's he's taken full advantage of that, and uh, it's it's good for us. We there we didn't hesitate to do anything. We can do everything we've done in, in years past. So um, we're off and flying. Here we go. What are you learning about Drew? Uh, he's really competitive. Uh, he's got all kinds of plays in him. Really a natural athlete, natural thrower, uh, natural movement guy. Um, had his best day yesterday on the move. It had some big scramble plays that he hit. Um, it was great to see. We've seen it on film, so it's just nice to get it validated here. And there'll just be tons and tons more. So uh, this is not too big for him. He's ready for it. He is. He's primed up, ready. Uh, has learned a lot in the years past, and uh, he seeks. He seeks this this kind of uh, support, and he's getting it. You know that he's. We're we're showing him that we believe in him as a player, and we believe that he can he can get it done, and get the job done. And now we just got to play the thing out. I don't know that he always felt like that, and uh, um, so um, it, he's responded really well, and the coaches are, are really thrilled about it. So uh, we're in good shape at the position, and we just got to see what happens. And, and the games are going to be important, and everything will be important. Uh, this is just you know, wearing t-shirts and stuff, you know, out here. So it's, it's not the real deal. However, we can see all of the mental side of it come come to light, and we have no 
no reason to restrict our thoughts in any way. I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this. And I feel like this actually was pretty self-explanatory from Pete. It was just important comment, so I wanted to include it. Geno Smith, as I've said before, is still very much so ahead of the game uh, or ahead of the QB competition over Drew Locke. But it is what I thought, and Drew Locke will get every opportunity to prove himself. I think... Drew's not going to be able to earn the job at this point. There was go- there was never really going to be anything Drew Locke could have done during this portion of the offseason to truly earn the job. And if Locke is going to start, he's going to have to earn it. I think every indication goes in that direction. What Pete Carroll is waiting to see is Drew Locke's decision-making in situational football because that's where Drew Locke has struggled the most. It's been the situational type of football that has been the challenge. And while I don't have all the clips here, Pete Carroll talked about how this minicamp emphasized situations and they wanted to see how Drew would do from a mental perspective. Obviously, he's shown improvement because Pete Carroll did have, he was very complimentary of Drew. He saw some of the talent, but he still feels like Gino is ahead. And I think that's because it's experience and that's what Pete Carroll cares the most about. How do you handle those situations? And so Drew Locke will have the chance. So it's not over for him, but I think it's pretty standard. Gino's still ahead, but... A lot still to be determined. Now, that will officially conclude our Parsing Pete segment of the day. Now, we're moving on to the Q&A portion of our episode. Coming out, coming up right at you, your questions up next. SciGen16 asks, who are we saving cap space for? Excellent question. And on Seahawks 360, we're going to break it down from every angle, as always. To give context to the question, This question was more than likely asked on the back of the Seattle Seahawks restructuring Shelby Harris's contract. They moved about $3 million of his salary into next year and cut his salary for this year in half, saving them around $3 million in cash space. And I believe this gives the Seattle Seahawks around $17 million in cash space for this year. And typically whenever the Seahawks are restructuring a contract, it means that a move is is imminent and that they they have plans to use that money. I'll come back to that towards the end, but that's where the speculation comes from. And that's why this question is is a very relevant, very great question. So I will start with the topics or the most speculated answers to this question. And then I'll get into some of what I think. So first of all, a lot of people think that this money is being moved for a Baker Mayfield trade and or, you know, if he gets cut, making room for his salary. I'll tell you what, timing-wise, I don't think that's correct because around the time that the Seattle Seahawks restructured Shelby Harris's contract, it's around the time that the news about Deshaun Watson, his extra case came up, the story dropped in New York Times that revealed some even more disturbing details about the Deshaun Watson case and situation. And I just think timing wise, it would not make sense for the Browns to give up their only other starting caliber quarterback. When to the larger public, it seems pretty apparent that Deshaun Watson is going to not play a snap for the NFL for yet again, another season. If it wasn't for the timing of that, perhaps I would think that Baker Mayfield would be what they were trying to do. 
But I, I want, I, I think the Seahawks have made it clear that they don't really want to trade for Baker Mayfield. And if they're going to have to chain, um, uh, restructure contracts in order to make room for Baker Mayfield, I would have been surprised that the Seahawks would have done that because I did not think that they were going to trade for a veteran quarterback. They pretty much had said that they were not going to. And if they were, they weren't going to do it for anywhere close to $18 million. I think they probably would have only done half at most. And if they were going to take on Baker Mayfield for half a salary, they, they wouldn't have had to restructure Shelby Harris's contract. So I don't think those things add up. It's one of the more likely scenarios than others that, I, that we'll talk about. But I just don't think that's that's the logic behind it. So the other thing that people think that this money was moved for was for the DK Metcalf extension. And I'll tell you, I made a 360 on this kind of, well, not a 360, maybe a 180 on this one. Because I initially, when I saw people saying that, I said, no, 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 not at all. It's not possible because the Seahawks, when they extend players, they tend to tend to like to save money on that year that they, for on the, on the year that they say that they are signing them for. So for example, when they extended Tyler Lockett, they actually saved money on his contract for the year that they signed him. It saved them cap space that year because they had extended him. Same thing with Quandre Diggs. It actually saved them money on his cap space because they added, you know, they added more years and they sort of spread that money across and prorated it across multiple years. That's how the Seattle Seahawks have normally done contract extensions. And so for that reason, I ruled it out immediately. But I will acknowledge that this is a new era and this team is is really in rebuild mode, whether P. Carroll wants to acknowledge that or not. This team is in rebuild mode and perhaps they have decided that they would like to completely restructure DK's contract. That's possible. And I think it may be more than likely of all the scenarios. I think that it's possible they could want to give him a bonus instead of paying him, you know, close to $30 million a year. They decide to, to pay him out a big bonus this year and sort of structure the contract in a way that front loads the money instead of back loads the money. I can see how that would be the case. We'll talk a little bit more about his contract a little later on, but it I have come around. I do think that it is possible that the Seahawks are deciding to do it a different way. I will say this, I'll still be a little surprised because, like I said, the Seahawks have just never to this point done their contracts this way. But, you know, ultimately, if they did decide to do it this way, I, I would take it as a good sign. I take it as them being sort of innovative, willing to try different things. And I think it probably would make sense, given the circumstances, for them to front load DK's contract over backloading it like they do with every other contract. And they have done that under the Russell Wilson era because it was basically win now mode. But if that's not going to be the case, in my mind, it does make more sense to front load that money. That way, if you secure a franchise quarterback through the draft, if you're able to successfully do that, you can pay him and not DK when it comes around to that time. DK's contract will be cheaper and the it'll be time to pay the quarterback whatever he is owed around that time. So that's my thinking on that. Of course, the other thought is to look is to look at the free agents and see which free agents might be available. I also don't think 
that overall as a whole that they would need to have restructured a contract for a free agent because at this point there aren't going to be a lot of deals that are going to get done to be worth any money no team is really offering any sort of significant money at this point so any of these guys that you get off the street should be for cheap and I don't I think that the 14 million dollars that they had would have been enough to secure any of these guys so I gotta say this is a head-scratching move on all fronts unless it is to front load DK's money I, I I think I'm a little confused by this move altogether but what I will do is discuss some free agents who I don't think it is who I do think it could be you know do I think that they needed to restructure it again I don't, I don't think they need to restructure the security these guys, but let's just go over some of the options on the table because we want to look at things from every angle, right? All right, so I'll tell you who I don't think, who in terms of positions and things that I don't think is going to happen. Wide receiver. There's, there, there's, there aren't going to be any trades for wide receiver. I know some people suspected that maybe the Seahawks would trade for Debo Samuel. It's not going to happen for a couple of reasons. One, the 49ers are a division rival, a bitter division rival, and they're not trading one of their best offensive players to their rival that they'd have to see twice a year. No way. So that's not happening. Another guy that is more likely just from a from a practical trade perspective is Scary Terry, Terry, Terry McLaurin. I, I don't think that the Seahawks are going to trade for him either because they've already got a wide receiver that they've got to pay. I'll just be honest. I I, I know practically Debo it wouldn't come up as a division thing, but I don't think any wide any young productive wide receiver is coming to the Seattle Seahawks because it wouldn't make sense. They're not going to want to put that much money in the position. They've already extended Tyler Lockett. They're going to probably have to extend DK Metcalf and to pay a third wide receiver, $25 million makes absolutely no sense. It just doesn't. So I don't think I'm, when I'm talking about free agents, you're not going to hear me talk about any wide receivers. I'm sorry, not free agents. We talk about trades or just additions to the team. I'm ruling out wide receiver. The only thing I could possibly see is maybe a OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. coming. But I don't think he's coming to the Seattle Seahawks because of our quarterback situation. He wants to win, and there's no way he's putting up throwing passes from Geno Locke. He was only interested in coming to Seattle when Russell Wilson was here. So without Russ, no OBJ. And Julio Jones is not off the table. I know Julio is has dropped in production, and he's not looked at in the same way that he was. But he would be a strong upgrade over our third wide receiver options. For sure. And, and I'm not, maybe, maybe that's the best thing that could happen, but I just don't think that's what the Seahawks are looking for. I think they really want to give Diaz Scritch a shot. If they chose to go with Julio, to me, that means that Diaz Scritch, they don't feel like he can be healthy. He has had a lot of injury history in the past, and it's what he's been struggling with in the NFL as well. It's not been good for him so far. In fact, he wasn't even able to do anything at the mandatory minicamp because of injury, which is frustrating to hear, but um, that's the reality. So if they wanted to provide depth at that position, I think that's something that they do closer to the season. I think they they want to try to give DeAstris a shot. And so I don't think that's the imminent move that they're trying to make. Besides, I don't think you'd pay Julio more than like $3 million anyway. So 
All right. The other position that I don't think that they're going to be going after is cornerback. This team has got some great talent to develop at cornerback. They've just drafted two rookies. They have Sidney Jones, who they're paying. They have Trey Brown, who they drafted last year. I mean, really, the position is loaded. And we're not even going to talk about nickel. We discussed that in our last episode, how competitive that cornerback spot is on this team. There's absolutely no way that they're trading or even picking up free agents at that position. They've got all the talent they need. Are they unproven in a lot of ways? Sure. But the talent is there and the upside is there. And those are guys you want to get reps because, you know, you, you they could have some future stars at that position. So, Quarterback, not even going to talk about that. And then safety. Safety, we're already paying Jamal Adams, Adams, Quandre Diggs, one of the best safety duos in the league, if you ask me. And so that position is covered because you also got depth. You've got Ryan Neal for depth. You've got uh, maybe Marquise Blair is a question mark. And, but they've got some pieces that they can move around. Uh, Ugo Amadi has a safety background if they needed it to. So that's not something that, that you're going to see the Seahawks do. It's not a position of need. They're not going to focus on that. So let's talk about some positions that it could be, maybe, and maybe some players that it could be, but I, I don't think that it's likely. They could pick up a, a running back. But if they did, it'd be for the vet minimum, right? Obviously, they have six running backs on the roster right now. But I think you can put an asterisk by Chris Carson. I don't think anybody should expect anything from Chris Carson. I just talked about this before. I think Chris Carson just should retire. It's in his best interest at this point. If you've seen on Twitter the picture of what Chris Carson's neck looks like, yeah, he should be done. It's in his best interest to be done. And because of that, and because of how often Rashad Penny has been injured, Ken Walker was even injured in minicamp. It was, P. Carroll implied that it was very light. It was basically just a conditioning thing. But just with the injury history the team has had, I can see them wanting to get another running back. Looking at the list of free agents, though, it's bare. It's very, very bare. In my opinion, the only valuable option that you could bring back to this team is Alex Collins. Wouldn't mind seeing him. He did play well, especially when he was healthy. He added a good boost to the team. He's familiar with offense. I think he would be a good addition if you brought him in. But again, that would be on a vet minimum. So that's pretty much it at the running back position if they went in that direction. Now, this next option is unlikely, not because I think that it's a bad idea, but because I think that the Seahawks won't do it, I think it would be a great idea. Let's talk about center. Now, I'm hearing that Kyle Fuller has been taking second team reps, which makes my skin crawl. I am not a fan of Kyle Fuller. I do not really feel like he's a competent NFL player, and his statistics back me up. If you watch his film, it backs me up. But for whatever reason, he's the project that they will not let go of. And so Kyle Fuller is, as you can see, I'm passionate. So Kyle Fuller is a second string. He's been taking second team reps. I, I disagree with it. They've had Dakota Shepley not even really competing at center. They've had him more at guard this camp, which I also disagree with. But we'll talk about that a little bit more in another episode. And so primarily you've got Austin Blythe who've been taking who's been taking the first team reps, but I feel like he doesn't really have any strong competition. Not really. I tell you, at this point, 
I'd love for them to bring in a CJ Treader. Um, I, I, I would like that very much. He graded very high on PFF in Elite 78, well, maybe not Elite, but a very strong 78.7 on PFF is what they grade him. Very overall great year. I think he'd provide excellent depth when this team needs to be prioritizing protecting the quarterback at all costs. I think getting some real competition in for Austin Blythe, who has had subpar years as of late, could be great. And just let those two battle it out. At this point, I think you could do it for cheap. But I just don't think the Seahawks see it that way. I think they are pleased with their depth and their center options. They've shown in the past they're not really willing to invest that much at the center position. It shows by them bringing back Kyle Fuller. I'd even rather bring back Ethan Pokey. I just, I'll just be honest. But I think that they're choosing to go with the crew they have. They've had other options, and they've chosen to stick with what they have. So I think Austin Light would be a serviceable center, but I'd love for, for us to have more competition. I just don't think it's happening from a Seahawks perspective. And last on the maybe but unlikely list would be Edge and slash Sam Dip. Right now, I think the only players you have that are capable on this team that you know you can count on is Nuosu and Taylor, Daryl Taylor. Alton Robinson is supposed to be sort of a spell guy taking snaps. I don't think he'll do that well in a 3-4, I'll be honest. I don't think he showed that he could do that that well at college. I think he's more of a traditional 4-3, so I don't know how effective we can count on him being. It'd be great to have some veter- some more veteran talent at that position. I think somebody like a Justin Houston, who's been consistent, who hasn't had a huge drop-off in production as he's aged. I think he's just been solid. I think he'd be great depth. And he is more of a 4-3 guy himself. I'll throw that caveat out there. But he has done 3-4 and been successful. And I just think he is a guy that can get you six sacks. I think you can count on him to do that. And if this team wants to have waves of edge rushers, that's a good option, I think. And then there's Trey Flowers. Now, I know that when I say that name, it brings fear in the hearts of you guys. I don't mean Trey Flowers, the cornerback. I mean Trey Flowers from the Lions, edge rusher. And he has had a very injury-riddled history, but I think when he's healthy, he's pretty good. He had a PFF grade of 67, I believe, last year. Uh, So it's pretty, pretty good. Got some flaws to his game, but I think he can add, like we said, we're just looking for depth, too. And I think that in the role he would play in this defense, he could be a value both from a knowledge perspective, from a mentoring perspective, and from a production depth perspective. And this team needs to have a rather elite defense in order to truly be able to compete given their quarterback situation. So that's something that I, I, actually, I actually would like to see that. I once again don't think it would cost you anything more than a few million dollars to get one of these guys. But I think it's unlikely because I, I – I think they're pleased with what they've seen, but I'd like that. So I'll just throw it out there. Now, these are likely options. I feel like we are likely to add depth at inside linebacker. I think that's one of the weakest spots on the team. Not many are pleased with the idea of Cody Barton. I think they are just giving him the opportunity for, for I guess, because he hasn't really had one before, but I would love for this team to add someone like Anthony Barr from the Vikings. I'd love for them to add him. 
Deonta Howard, just just his depth. He did not play very well on the Patriots last year. I think he's a free agent for a reason. I think Anthony Barr is a better option by far. But I think Cody Barton can use some competition, some real competition. And I just think you need another experienced body out there because I, I do have questions about Cody Barton's ability to to run stop or even to pass. He's got flaws in that as well. So I think that could be a, a good option. And perhaps tackle depth. I know you've got got four tackles on your team at this point. They could use some experience, though. I mean, no no player has had more than two years of experience, so maybe it's something where you bring back. I know you guys wouldn't be excited about this, but a Brandon Shell could come back. I'd be a fan of uh, uh, Marcus Cannon coming back, Brian Beloga. Now, I'm looking more right tackle. I'll be honest. I think left tackle – they just kind of leave as is. I'm looking more at the right tackle position for depth purposes because Jake Carhan is an undrafted free agent in his second year and Abe Lucas is a rookie. And so to have some experience competing with those guys could be a benefit to everybody. So you'd like to get a Brian Belaga, like I said, Marcus Cannon or Brandon Shell on your team just to help those guys compete and to make them better. And then finally, quarterback. I already talked about Baker Mayfield, but I'll throw out another option that I know is controversial, to say the least. Colin Kaepernick is an option. Perhaps they're making room for him cap space-wise. That would make sense for me. I, I think you maybe maybe they pay him around $10 million or something like that. I don't know. Uh, maybe even less than that. Maybe that's too much. But I think that is an option. So I'll put that out there. I know that would have mixed re- mixed reviews. Some people would hate that. But I, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. Because I do think if they were going to bring him on, they would have had to work him out by now. The Raiders recently did a workout with Colin Kaepernick. I think they did that more to get other teams to look at him. But other teams have not looked at him. I don't know what that means in terms of what that workout looked like. Uh, maybe it didn't look great. But I'll put that out there as an option too. In the end... This is, like I said, this is a head-scratching move for me because none of these moves seem particularly likely. There's not a clear and obvious path for the Seahawks to spend this cap space. And it is my honest, honest hope that they didn't just move cap space or restructure contract just for the sake of doing so. I really hope they intend to use these funds because that's $3 million next year that you could have saved when you might have a better team, when your whole team might be complete. I think next year is the earliest chance they'll have to truly be competitive. So that $3 million, I think, would have been more well spent this year over next year. And if, they, if they're just going to sit on this money, and Bob Condona has tweeted out that no move is imminent, that the Seahawks just wanted to clear some cash space before uh, going in, before the, the break after the minicamp. And if that's the case, that's frustrating. Man, I got to be honest. Uh, because that's just a waste of resources. But anyway, there's your breakdown on who I think the Seahawks could potentially be spending cap space on. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. Make sure to tune into our next episode as we go into detail on some of the under overlooked storylines in this mandatory minicamp. We'll talk about some of the takeaways that people aren't talking about. And make sure to follow me. On Twitter, I'm your host, Candace Hagens. Follow me on Twitter at CandaceH901. That's Candace with an A, H901. 
And be sure to follow our show, Ethos Seahawks, for all the latest news and updates. Make sure to give us a follow right there. That's all the time we have for today. That's it. I'm Mel, and as always, go Hawks.